Only he can change my life, and so I need his presence any and every time I can get it. That's why we're here on a Wednesday night, and so thank you so much for your faithfulness to the house of the Lord, and we are so blessed this evening. We have a treat for you. We have Brother Greg Godwin with us here in service. I didn't even know he was going to be here today, but whenever we found out he was going to get in early for conference, we were able to work it out, and he is here with us this evening. He has been a blessing to this church over and over again. Many times he has been a voice and a catalyst that helped push us into that next dimension to where we needed to go in God, and I believe tonight is going to be no different. Who is ready to grow in God? Who's ready for a breakthrough? Who's ready to break through some stuff and plug into the power of the Holy Ghost? God's got something greater for this church, so we need your help to push on through. You ready to hear from the Lord this evening? Why don't you worship the Lord as Brother Godwin comes at this time? Man, and how many of you love your pastor? Amen. Thank God for Brother Autry and his good wife. Amen. We give the Autrys. A great big hand clap and the blessings of the Lord and to the ministry that is helping them and assisting them, their wives. Amen. Teamwork makes a dream work. As they say down in New Orleans where I now live, I don't know what else to tell you, Shy. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. And uh, that's just about as simple as it can get. If you get a group of people that can work together and all push the same direction, Amen. The devil's going to have to take a back seat. Amen. Amen. So we give honor to your leadership and then also, of course, to all of you. Thank you for being here tonight in the midweek. It is a little hot in here. So now I know what to start praying for in Dunellen. Air conditioning. It's not even hot down here yet. Y'all going to be toasted about middle of July. Whew. Lord, in the name of Jesus. I stammer her lips, hallelujah. Amen, hallelujah. It's going to be hot. We're going to have to have fans up here blowing something, Lord. I'd walk in here and just start sweating. Wouldn't even have to work to break a sweat, but amen. And the decoration, Lord, I told Sister Audrey, my God, this is the greatest platform carpet I've ever seen in my 36 years of preaching. I love it. My God, Fantastic. And the decor, all of it looks great. The brick, amen, that's just smoking hot. I like it. And y'all are one, only one of two churches that I know have a huge back wall for a window. A window for a back wall. There's a great church in Arizona that has that. Of course, y'all got some trees, and that's beautiful, but they got mountains. I mean, you just look out, and it's like, I'm like, now who in the... Sam Hill made that. You know, look at this ugly face or look at all that beauty. Ain't nobody paying attention to a preacher. But anyway, amen. Thank God what a blessing it is for the building and everything the Lord's done for you. We're happy. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse uh, number 1. I asked your pastor what he would um, care for me to talk about. Or was there any certain subject? He asked me to talk to you about altar working. And um, so we'll do that, and I'll kind of go at it the way I like to teach it, uh, and um, and we'll just see what the Lord... Is there anybody here needs the Holy Ghost? You haven't had it yet, you'd like to get it. Anybody? Not sure if you need it, not sure if you want it. Amen. All right, it's me and you now. Hallelujah. <laughs> see if I can't get a hook in you. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. High five somebody. See, it's on now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Without the Holy Ghost, we're none of his. You got to have it. Amen. And uh, so anyway, let's talk about it. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1. Now of the things, uh, 8 and 1, which we have spoken, this is the sum or the total we have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man for every high priest ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer for if uh, were on if he were on earth he should not be a priest seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law who serve unto the example or may say example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for see saith he that's God that thou make all things according to the pattern pattern here is the die that is cast the model proposed uh, it is the uh, die that is struck I mean it's one time this is not a pattern but it is the pattern and uh, I want to go from this verse amen to talk to you about praying people through the Holy Ghost being a Holy Ghost church amen amen the Lord bless his word tonight very familiar passage of scripture or at least story uh, of Moses coming out of Egypt and leading what ends up being two and a half million Jews out of prison encampment. Uh, they spent 400 years in Egyptian bondage and the Lord told Abraham, their father if you will, uh, your seed is going to be like the sands of the sea and it's going to be like stars of the heaven. And then he gave him sevenfold blessing and told him, your name's going to be great, and I'm going to make you great in the earth, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed, and whoever blesses you, I'm going to bless them. Whoever curses you, I'm going to curse them. And he went on. But, and, but he went on, and he told him, he said, now your seed is going to go into captivity. And he said, but, but I will raise up a deliverer. So their Egyptian bondage was part of their destiny. It was part of their destiny. Now we look at it now, uh, in what we would call being in the New Testament, uh, in the grace dispensation, we'll make the pulpit the cross. This will be the uh, grace dispensation, the church age, and back here will be the Old Testament, which Paul called a type shadows, or he said it was the schoolmaster. The Old Testament was a schoolmaster leading the Jews, God's earthly people, unto Christ. And all of these things would be fulfilled in Christ. So everything back here in the Old Testament was types and shadows. Now shadow um, is cast because there's a light that shines from the behind or the back upon some solid object and it casts a shadow in front. So the light, uh, which is God, shines on the pattern of his own mind of Christ. And when it shines on that pattern, uh, it casts a shadow. And that shadow uh, leads us unto Christ. Actually, to be dramatically correct, it would be this way from the cross. 
Because in God's mind, Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. So the light shines and casts a shadow back into the Old Testament all the way to Adam, who is a type of Christ. He was of the earth, earthy. That shadow, when you follow a shadow, if there was a light behind me, it would throw a shadow out here. That shadow, if you followed it, it would look like me. It would have the outline of me, but you really couldn't tell it to you got to the substance. All of the things in the Old Testament, like Noah's Ark, the tabernacle plan, the lamb slain in the garden for Adam and Eve, and then an atonement sacrifice every year, uh, all of that led us unto Christ. And when it came to Christ, it was fulfilled in Christ. Why? Because if you look in detail uh, into the tabernacle plan, since that's our text that God gives Moses, everything in that tabernacle points to Christ. And, and I love teaching on tabernacle. If we took time, we could take three or four nights and teach on that. But everything, the pillars... Uh, it was a holy place and an outer court and a holy place and the holy of holies and the holy place and the holy of holies was like a tabernacle inside a tabernacle and around that was a hundred pillars attached to a hundred solid silver sockets that weighed 96 pounds and the silver socket, silver represents the blood. It's, a, it's the color of redemption. So in the foundation of the church is redemption, is the blood. And, 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 and Jesus Christ is the pillar, ground and pillar of our salvation. And so on every socket was a pillar. And that pillar was Jesus. So the, the, the silver socket represented the blood of Jesus. The pillar represented Jesus. And the five boards that were between every pillar represented Jesus. And we could just go all and on and on and on and on. Because it was a shout. Now to Moses, he didn't understand all that. Um, Paul in Ephesians 1 explaining to the Jews, he said of those things, they were the eternal purpose. He said, hath been hid until now. Uh, in, in other words, when God told Moses about the tabernacle plan, he gave him all the information he could, but he didn't give him the whole subject. He kept some back. It remained a mystery. And the word mystery uh, simply means imposed silence until time of full revelation. So we could look at Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark had some revelation, but all of it wasn't released yet. The tabernacle plan had way more revelation, but it was some of it was held back. And the lamb sacrifices, the turtle doves, and all the things that the Jews went through, there was a little bit, it was kind of like the Lord's going, here's a peak, but you can't see anymore. And there's a peak and you can't see no more. It was a mystery. Imposed silence on the subject until the time of fulfillment. When Christ came, he revealed the whole subject. Amen. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. So the tabernacle was called the pattern, not a pattern. It is the pattern. In fact, here in the text, it's, it was a pattern according to the heavenly pattern so we go back into the story and we inspect it a little bit Moses when he goes up into the mountain uh, after they've come out of Egypt and God gives him two things he gives him uh, the law the ten commandments and then he gives him the tabernacle plan which is the pattern of approach how does man get to God they had to come through amen this pattern and the Lord told him in the mountain that 40 days he said see that you build this tabernacle According to the pattern 
build it just like I showed you. There is a heavenly tabernacle, and I showed it to you. Now, I want you to take what you saw in the heavenly, and I want you to bring it and put it in the earthly. Amen. And it's the pattern. It's not a pattern. Everybody say it's the pattern. It is the pattern of approach. It's how do we get to God. So when we begin to look at it, uh, there are three three compartments to it. It's one big pattern, but there's three compartments. There's an outer court. It was called the Tabernacle of the Congregation. Inside was another building. Uh, around, inside that fenced-in area that was the holy of ho- holy place. And then inside, beyond that, was the holy of holies. Now, cut to the chase. The important thing about this pattern is is that it is set up in threes. There's one, two, three, outer court, holy place, holy of holies. And then in each compartment, there were three things. There was a door, a brazen altar, and a laver of water, golden candlesticks, table of showbread, altar of incense. And inside the holy of holies was the Ark of the Covenant that had three things in it. The law, Moses' rod that budded, and the uh, pot of manna. So you got one, two, three, times three, three, three is twelve. Now that gets into numerology, but basically what we have to understand is there are 12 things in this pattern. 12 is a number that comes up all the way through Scripture. It means authority, jurisdiction, oversight, uh, apostolic authority. 12, there were 12 tribes of Israel, 12 sons of Jacob that became 12 tribes of Israel that become the nation of Israel. There were 12 apostles, 12 disciples that became 12 apostles. There will be 12 foundations of the holy city. There will be 12 gates into the gate into the holy city. Three on the north, south, east, and the west. 12, it doesn't mean 12 ways that you can get to heaven. It just means from whichever way you come and you can get there. Everybody say amen. So 12 keeps coming up in the scripture because it's jurisdiction and oversight or authority. You got seven things. Uh, brazen altar, laver water, golden candlesticks, table showbread, altar of incense, and the Ark of the Covenant. That's seven. Seven is fullness, spiritual completion. Nothing can be added to, nothing can be taken from. Seven. Why seven? Because Jesus on the cross, that was in the shadow. Why seven? Because Jesus on the cross will utter seven phrases. Jesus will be wounded in seven parts of his body. He will take the full condemnation of the world and its sins. He will bear in his body the sins of the whole world. So he will be wounded in seven places of his body. He will utter seven sayings. One of them which is, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Uh, In your walk with God, at some point, you're going to have to forgive. There he is hanging between life and death, heaven and hell, heaven and earth. And he looks down at the people that chose a murderer over him and he didn't do anything wrong and he said, Father, forgive them. There, there's just going to come times in your life that you are going to be as innocent, as innocent as the day is long and you're going to get mistreated. Things aren't going to be right. You're going to be taken advantage of, abused, whatever the situation is. But at some point to get your own deliverance, you have to forgive and release. you got to let it go. Come on, look at somebody say, you got to let it go. Amen. While he's hanging on the cross, he cries out, I thirst. So in your walk with God, as great as it is, there's going to come times that you thirst. And you're going to need, and, and the world's going to try to offer you its strength. They did vinegar mingled with gall and shoved it up. He's pinned down. 
can't get away. They're just shoving it all up here. And the world is going to give you vinegar mingled with gall and try to force you to drink it. Amen. Uh, and, and we could go through all those things, but they, they, they have meaning. And so this, this tabernacle plan has meaning because it is the pattern. It's not a pattern. That's why I said there was seven wounds in his body and there are seven phrases that he will utter. Amen. There are seven. So now, not only do we get that, uh, we can get uh, the new birth message. Uh, the new birth message is repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So what happens? How does that lay out? How do we know that's true? We lay it on the pattern. The Repentance is the brazen altar. When they would come through the door, uh, am I doing all right? When they would come through the door, the brazen altar was right in front of it. It'd be like the door being as wide as these two chairs, but the brazen altar was as wide as all four. So you can get through the door, but to get around repentance, which is really Calvary. Because from the tabernacle, you have to come through Calvary to get to the new birth. Amen. So thank God we didn't have to die. He died for us. Now all we have to do is repent, which is our death. We die out to our old man, to our old nature, to our old... Repent, it's uh, in our armed forces whenever we're marching or when I was in the marching band, we'd be marching and we had to turn around and go another way. They'd say, about face. I still remember it and I'm 55. <laughs> oh, I used to good march, you hear me? Y'all see how I pulled that step off? Whew. Whew. I mean, we put on a show, boy. I mean, we step it off. Uh, that's about face. But in Australia, they say, repent. And that's what repentance is. It's a turning away from the way I think, the way I'm living, the what I'm doing. What I'm, that's why someone will throw, throw a, a syringe, a drug syringe on the altar. I've seen bags of crack thrown on the platform. I've seen gold cans. Or Somebody went outside in Ohio one time and, and I thought they left service. They come running back in and ran to the altar and threw it from about five feet. Bam, this gold little can that you'd put on a dresser or something looked very nice hitting it boom pop, popped off of it. two syringes popped out a bent spoon big old rubber band to tie the uh, arm arm up in a little cigarette lighter and little bags of crack and everything just popped, just popped out seeing them empty their pockets out what is it that's repent that's repentance I'm saying I'm done with this stuff that ain't nothing but vinegar and gall and I'm still thirsty it's nasty. Who wants to drink vinegar? I mean, you get to the point where the world just gets yuck. Who wants to keep drinking that mess? And so repentance is a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction. Amen. So that, that's our Calvary. We don't have to be beaten with a cat of nine tails. From shoulder to back, uh, down down from on the right side, from right shoulder to the to the to the uh, spinal cord, and then another soldier hit him from the left shoulder to the spinal cord, and went all the way down across the buttocks, the thighs, and all the way to his feet. So now on his back's nothing but ribbons of trembling flesh. He by his stripes, we are healed. 
Amen. I was just in a little town called Faraday, Louisiana. It's where Jimmy Swaggart's from and Jerry Lee Lewis and, and uh, Mickey Gilly. They're all from Faraday. You wouldn't believe it if you went there. It's just unbelievable. It's Faraday and Vidalia and then across the Mississippi Rivers, Nac, uh, Natchitoches, uh, not Natchitoches, but Natchez, Mississippi. And... Um, and we was there Sunday night. I'd preach Sunday morning in Bow Bridge, about three hours south, drove up for Sunday night, went in there. And that morning, there was a man that had got healed the week before I was there. I went to pray for him and touched him on his left arm. He said, oh, you please don't touch my arm. He said, I haven't been able to lift it for five years. His muscle was tore off and hanging loose in his arm. Couldn't lift it. Well, that Sunday morning, Brother David Smith was there preaching and the power of God began to move and David began to pray for him when he did. He walked off, didn't realize what happened, walked off, and all of a sudden he heard a big noise, and he turned around, and they were rejoicing. That man's arm was straight up in the air, and he was moving it with no pain. By his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, you're delivered from the drugs. By his stripes, you are healed of the addiction. Come on, somebody. By his stripes. Amen. And so uh, we don't have to have that. We just repent. But it's, but it's painful turn away from a lifestyle that you have become comfortable with though it be deadly uh, it, it is painful to have uh, railroad spikes like drove through the hand or re- literally through here through the media nerve severing the media nerve sending shooting pain through this way nailing this one severing the media nerve shooting pain through this way taking his feet first of all they nailed him at the feet one on top of the other not as Michelangelo painted it just a nice little pedestal for him to stand on because the cross was not about comfort <laughs> they nailed his feet face down on that cross because it was laying on the ground they laid him Top of the other and drove a nail right through his feet. And then they stretched him over and nailed this way. And then they put him this way. Now his back's in an S twist. And doctors say that it was ligaments and ribs would pop loose in pain. He's already been through a line of 300 soldiers and slapped and beat till the prophet Isaiah said, When we beheld him, there was no form or comeliness in him that we would desire him. Calvary wasn't a nice little, well, just, just hang on, you'll die eventually. They beat the slob out of him. They beat him till he's bleeding internally, dying of hypovolemic shock, dying of congestive heart failure, bleeding internally in the prayer room of God. Guess him in his garden, he's praying till sweat literally begins to break through his pores and the blood begins to pour. He's a bloody mess, but we just repent. Amen. Then they take him down and bury him in a borrow tomb. Brother Arnold, I love the greatest saying ever. He said, I asked the Lord, I said, God, you're a good Jew. You was a good Jew. And he said, Jews are always about good saving money and making money. He said, why did, why, why, why did you just uh, borrow the tomb? And he said, why buy something you don't need but three days? <laughs> sorry, that's the black man in me trying to get out, y'all. I'm sorry. I get the hoopology on me all of a sudden. Thank you. Three days. You see, how many days was he? One, two. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Jonah was in the belly of the whale. One, two, three. Jesus is going to be in the belly of the earth. One, two, three. That was part of the schoolmaster. So he, so he's now he's, in, he's buried in a grave, he's under the ground. That's why you are baptized, amen, in this beautiful baptistry that you have over here because when we are baptized, we are buried with Christ. If you've never been water baptized in Jesus' name, you've never been buried with Christ. 
Paul called it one place. We're planted together with him. We are buried with Christ in baptism. Why, why do we need to be baptized? Peter and the 11 disciples, them standing up with him, said we are baptized in Jesus' name for the remission, blotting out, removing of our sins. We repent of our sins, but when I'm water baptized in Jesus' name, he washes my sins away. Amen. How far does he wash him? So far he can't remember him, and he's an omniscient, all-knowing God. Amen. But then we not only, so because it's one, two, three, everybody say one, two, three. We've had repentance and baptism, but there's something else missing. You can't be somebody's, well, you just repent, you're saved. Well, that's one. But the pattern was never just one, it was one, two, three. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. I just, well, I just believe in Jesus. Well, that's what the devils do. That's one. <laughs> Bible said the devils believe in God and tremble. The devils looked out of a man in a church service when Jesus first went to church coming out of the wilderness and said, I know who you are. He said, you're the holy one. He didn't say you're the holy third. He didn't say you're the third. You're one of the holy third persons. He said, you're the holy one. Well, anyway. <laughs> Someone said, well, I believe in Jesus. Well, the devil said, I know who you are. <laughs> so, so just to say you believe in Jesus, well, you've done what the devil's done. But the devil ain't saved, y'all. I said, the devil ain't saved, y'all. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, but then you must believe that he is a rewarder. Two, three of them that diligently seek him. And so you have to repent and then you are buried. That's you die in Christ. Now you're buried with Christ in baptism. Somebody said, well, I was sprinkled. Well, then we don't bury nobody out here and throw three clods of dirt on and walk off. And we dig a big old hole, back hole, stays up. And after everybody's gone, they lower the fella in there, the girl in there. And it, it's a horrible deal, but they don't leave nobody laying on top of the ground on three clods of dirt and say, we sprinkled them. Or we buried them. They put a hole. Is this good? I'm preaching good, ain't it, Bubba? I don't want to get sweaty tonight, but I feel it coming up on me. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you what I know, Shy. <laughs> so, so when you bury with someone, you have to be planted. You don't plant something and just throw seed on the ground. You got to get it under the dirt. So when we're baptized, we don't just get sprinkled with water. We get put under the water. We're buried with Christ in baptism. Amen. And then, because Christ was buried on the third day, he got up. And one of my favorite songs is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me. I don't know why the good ones only last three months. All this elbow clapping and praise Oh, get some groove. You know where Jesus is. He's over here with a handle. Come on, get it. Amen. So when you get the Holy Ghost, you get the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Do you understand? You got the Holy Ghost? That Holy Ghost in you, that's God in you. It was involved in raising Jesus from the dead. It's in you. You got the Holy Ghost? You got the Holy Ghost? That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it's in you. And we were dead in trespasses and sins, but he raised us up. 
And now we are living creatures, new creatures. Come on, you, that, that'll make you shout and run the aisle. Amen. You know, I know. You know, don't don't pay no attention to long-winded, long-seasoned saints that just now they're so saved they don't have to praise him. The devil is a lie. You just need to remember that that same spirit that's in you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So you got a drug problem. So you got an alcohol problem. So you got a sin problem. Uh, maybe you've been abused, misused, taken advantage of. But I got a God that moved on the face of the deep and brought dry ground out. I got a God that moved into a grave and brought a dead man out. Come on, somebody. He can bring you out of anything. Why? Because it's the Holy Ghost. It's resurrection power. I know it's not Easter. You're like, oh my God, it's not Easter. Why are you talking about it? Because it's Easter every day. So now here's, and I know I'm supposed to be teaching altar working. So here's the point. We know that is what it takes to be born again. Is you have to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. I think that verse said every one of you. Somebody said, well, that was just for the disciples. That was wrong the first day. Holy Ghost, that was 120 got it on the first outpouring. It wasn't just 12 got it, 120 got it. And before the sun set, 3,000 more got it. Now that, that don't make us apostolic spoof anymore, but when you're teaching Bible studies, you know, oh, I got you, hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Man, um, <clears throat> so, so that's what it takes to be born again and then you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost because if you die in repentance and you're a dead man buried you have to be raised again and that's what the Holy Ghost does when you get the Holy Ghost it raises you out of the deadness and Paul said in Ephesians we all walk according to the course of this world before you come to Jesus Christ before you're born again we're all walking dead men but so I'm an old man, do what I want to. Not true. Paul said we walk according to the course of this world. According to the prince and power of the air, which is the devil. Well, you read on down through it. But he said, but now, we were aliens from God. We were without God, without Christ in the earth, and without hope. But now we are made nigh by the blood. Nigh means near in relation. The blood that Jesus shed at Calvary allows us to have become near in relation with him. When we are water baptized by faith in the name of Jesus Christ, the blood is applied to our record and now we are made nigh him. We were dead, now we are living we are a new creature in Christ. She's that. Now I'm, now I'm on my subject. Is the focus of this church. This is why God laid it on the heart of Bishop Varnum and Pastor Jason Varnum and the altaries to come to Denellen. It wasn't because he needed a place to preach or a place to scratch his preacher's itch or just to have a pulpit to talk in. or, or that, That's not why we're here. That's not why we're here. We're here as the apostle said, as ministers of reconciliation 
And we stand in Christ's stead pleading with you, be thou reconciled unto God. That's what we're here to tell Danellen is be reconciled to God. Sin separated us. When Adam sinned, we all became sinners after the similitude of Adam's transgression. One guy after church in Porter, Texas, he told me, he said, Brother, Brother God, he said, I just don't know why I need the Holy Ghost. I said, well, you know, everybody's got to be born. He said, well, I've never done anything wrong. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I've never dipped, I've never chewed, never drank, never smoked, never cussed. He said, I treat my wife good. I take care of my kids. I pay the bills. Said, why do I need to be born again? I said, you really want the answer? He said, yeah. I said, because you're human. He said, what? I said, you are human. Therefore, you have an Adamic nature like Adam. And because we are Adamic, we are all sinners after the likeness or similitude of his transgression. Adam's sin is transferred to all of us. Therefore, we are born dead in sin and must be born again. The first Adam was of the earth earthy and he got me into sin. The second man, Adam, Jesus Christ, is the Lord from heaven and he gets me out of sin. What Adam got me into, Jesus gets me out of. Amen. So the most important thing and aspect of the church is number one, getting people born again, bringing them into a newness of life. That's the purpose. And that's a lot of the reason why I've covered a little bit of material and information I've covered tonight. To just throw out and give out more doctrine to, number one, further substantiate and uphold and hold up the hands of the man of God, the teaching, that what we're talking to is not just some little unique message to make us different than everybody else. It is according to the pattern. Watch the pattern. Now, the pattern, this will keep you from getting deceived. The pattern is... Outer court, holy place, and holy of holies. One, two, three. Brazen altar, laver of water. Golden uh, door, brazen altar, uh, laver of water. Three. Golden candlesticks, table of showbread, altar of incense. Three. Ark of the covenant, three things in it. One, two, three. Three, three, three is twelve. How are you born again? There has to be a one, two, three. How do you grow and become a mature Christian in Christ? We grow up in measure, in fullness, measure, and stature. So we take people, anybody, God took us like we were. He takes you like you are. But once we come in, we're expected to grow. How is our growth? It's in three stages from fullness, measure, and stature of Christ. There's three dimensions of giving. You can give grudgingly, out of necessity, or cheerful. Whatever dimension of giving you give it according to the pattern. If you give like a grouch, you get 30% return. If you give out on necessity, well, we got to pay the bills, bless God. Well, that's necessity given and we'll take it. We'll even take it from a grouch. And <laughs> you can be grouch, you get 30% return. Because there's three dimensions of return, 30, 60, 100. It, whatever dimension you give and how you give determines how you receive. If you give like a grouch, you get 30%. If you give just to pay the bills, you get 60%. But if you give cheerfully, you get 100 foot. Why? Because cheerful giving is the holy of holies of giving. Are you with me? And, and there's just too many. 
one, two, three. So it's just bringing it out, and it's like the tabernacle plan. Uh, the blood had to be put on the brazen altar. They slayed a lamb here at the brazen altar. You couldn't go around. My opening statement was the, the door was, was one size, but the altar was, a, was bigger than the door, which meant you had to go out of your way once you came through. You had to go out of your way to get around and avoid the altar. You got to go out of your way to avoid Calvary. All roads lead to Calvary. All roads lead to Calvary. When they went to that brazen altar, it was a slaughter. They skinned that sheep. They gutted the sheep. They drained the blood of the sheep. They cut the shoulders out of the sheep. They cut the fat out of the sheep. The Bible says all the fat's the Lord's. They put the fat on the altar so they hadn't knew exactly where they were supposed to. But why? Because it was all, it was a slaughterhouse. Now, what does that mean? That was a shadow. What was the reality? That's why when you look at Calvary, it was brutal. It was bloody. It was nasty. It was shame. Why? Because Jesus was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Is everybody with me? So once we get into a service, uh, there, there, we, we've covered the new birth, repentance, water, baptism in Jesus' name, infinite of the Holy Ghost. You can find that in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19. Amen? The object and the focus is, is to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. So we're talking about an altar service. The altar service is in the Holy of Holies. The focus of a service is to get from the brazen altar of repentance to the glory of the Holy of Holies. Sometimes we get there faster than us. Sometimes we get there in the first song. I mean, it's just like, boom, we're in there. People start getting the Holy Ghost because that's where the Shekinah was. Can I just say to you that you can have three dimensions of church? You can have outer court church or holy place church, but in those two dimensions, you don't have any glory. You can be real churchy, but you don't have any glory. Some people said, you know, that have left apostolic truth or whatever and said, well, I don't believe all that. And they said, because there was blood on the brazen altar. If there's blood on the brazen altar, then there's remission of sins. Well, that's stupid. Because they didn't, this didn't have blood at the brazen altar. They had to have blood. There was blood at the brazen altar. And then the high priest went to the laver of water and he had to wash the blood off and change his garments. That's why when you're baptizing in Jesus' name, you put on a new garment. Well, well, hey. And then there was blood sprinkled at the golden candlestick. There was blood at the table of showbread. There was blood at the altar of incense. And when they went behind the veil, they poured the blood out on the mercy seat because now a sinful man, though in religious garb, is in the presence of a thrice holy God. Not a deuce holy God, not a single holy God, but a thrice holy God. Not three gods, he's just thrice holy. He's a God of love, but he's also a God who is holy, holy, holy. And so now when this man walks into the Holy of Holies, sin is in the presence of God and God who dwelled between the cherubims comes down with wrath on the mercy seat. So the blood of that lamb is poured out on the mercy seat. It was at all the other seven, six places. But he also poured the rest of it out on the mercy seat when the glory of God came down between the cherubims. If the sacrifice was accepted, his wrath turned to mercy. And that's when Israel's sins were removed for a year. And I said all that to say that the blood of Jesus or the blood of the lamb was not efficacious 
until it got through all seven positions. Seven is fullness and completion. Just because there's blood at the brazen altar does not mean that, the, that your sins have been washed away or that sin has been dealt with. It has to come through all seven positions because that is the pattern. Is everybody with me? So when we get to the service, this is why your buildings... Uh, let, me, let me hurry, cut, cut, cut to the chase. When we lay a man or a woman or humankind across the pattern, you are one man, male or female, but there's three things about you. Flesh, spirit, and soul. So when we lay man across this pattern, which is the approach to God in the Holy of Holies, before I can get to the soul of a man, I've got to come through his spirit. And to get to his spirit... I've got to come past his flesh. So the first thing that we do, here's an altar call. When all that to say, an altar call actually begins at the beginning of search. And we could truthfully say, growth material says the first eight minutes somebody's on your property, they decide if they're coming back. So long before they get to see you sing and clap your elbow, they walk by some snotty saint in the parking lot and go, you know what, I'm going to go in here because I came, drove this far, but I ain't ever coming back. These people are rude. Or they walk by an usher or a greeter or they walk by you and you know they're a guest and you don't say anything. You got eight. I like to teach one leadership session on you got eight minutes. Why do you have eight minutes? Because when they come, they're coming to you in first dimension. They're coming with sensual perception. Their five senses. So that's why the building's clean. That's why we redecorate. I mean, we like it, but when we walk, when, when our guests walk in, we don't want them to see windows with handprints all over it. I mean, we don't want them to come to have to go to the restroom or, you know, back in the old days, they'd build the building and have a small foyer in a men's restroom and a women's restroom right in the foyer, you know, right there in the lobby. It's like, really? Somebody wasn't thinking. You really want to walk in? Praise the Lord. Oh, my God. So thankfully, the bathrooms are kind of off the side here. Hallelujah. But that's why we clean them. That's why we take care. Why? Because, amen, guests come with sensual perception. They come first dimension. What they see, what they hear, what they smell, what they feel. What they taste, the Bible said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a spiritual tasting. What you want is people to leave here after the first or second or third time. So I'm telling you what, them are the friendliest people I've ever been around. Boom, shakalaka. That means you've passed the outer court. When our guests come, they come with sensual perception. So how clean the windows are, I mean, you may not care if there's fingerprints and stuff, all, but I look up there and I'm kind of like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell somebody. Carpet, that's smoking hot. I mean, the colors, it's wonderful. Now, we got to get that air fixed, y'all. Central perception, I'm telling you now. I'm sweaty. And I ain't even started working yet. We're going to have to come on now. now. If it was Bangor, Maine, it'd be all right. But this, this is old California, Bellevue. Uh, you understand what I'm talking about? The grounds look, when I pulled up, I looked, the grounds look good. Everything looks good. Why does it matter? Because that's where the altar call starts. 
how friendly you are. We take now we because our people aren't friendly, tongue in cheek. We have to worship for three songs. Oh my God! We get God in here. Say, okay, now let's all take a break. Time out, God. Five minutes. Everybody say hi to everybody. I'm like, oh God, what are y'all doing? <laughs> but I understand. It's it's cool. But that's what we do. We bring God in, and then we stop. Time out. And then we go to Greece. Why do we do that? Because most of our churches walk in, guests are here, and you don't ever say nothing. So we have to take a time out so you can greet people. Amen. So what? If, so here's the problem. If you haven't greeted everybody and you haven't said hi to people who beat you here to church, sorry, I can't help but preach a little bit. Their guests, they beat you, and you're a seasoned saint. <laughs> and they beat you here, and you don't ever say anything. Well, what if the praise team is locked in that day, and it's not just a band and a concert and a gig and set one, set two, set three, and they go to throwing down, and God goes, and he shows up in our worship, and in the second song, we went out of court, holy place, holy, holy, bam, we're in the holy of holies, and there's tears running down our guest voice and everything else, but you got to stop it because you want to meet everybody. Because you didn't meet nobody. Because you might go out of court, holy place, holy of holies, all to the altar call in the first song. Is everybody with me? Now, do the, the, I'm not saying the greedy is not good, but you have to be flexible enough to understand. If we go out of court, holy place, holy of holies on the first song and people start crying and people start coming to the altar, we're done. Are you with me? Now, that's not everybody clapping because he's like, well, now wait now. I, I was, you know, where's our brother that's preached? You know, oh, there you are. Well, now wait. I get a pre-service, pre-touch the future conference warm-up now. I get batting practice now. Y'all don't pray with nobody just yet now. I've got a little sermon I need to pray. It happens all over the country. Sinners run to the altars like, you can tell who's preaching because he's just up there going, that's supposed to happen when I get done. Well, see, they don't know that. They just come up in here dead in their sins and trespasses. This church didn't know no better than to fill the prayer rooms up and begin to pray and worship. They got to singing and the glory showed up. All of a sudden, we're in the Holy of Holies and the glory, they don't know what it is. But it's like, oh God, I'm, I'm sorry. We're not gonna get to preaching today, Pookie. You're gonna have to just pray for somebody. Or, and it could go through the whole soloist, or you know, well, the, the next song is one I got to sing solo one. Sorry. <laughs> Point of an altar service is, is when they're ready to come pray. What you need to understand is we have, they have went whether it took one song or three songs or the whole service through the preaching. It took all of that to get them from outer court to holy place where they could be in the church and feel the oil flowing. They could hear the fresh bread, smell the fresh word of the Lord, feel the praise and the worship and the intercession and suddenly be transferred into the glory. And it's like all of a sudden goosebump machine kicks in. They're like, oh, what's then? And you may have had to go through the whole service, but you may only have to go through one song. Does that make sense? So, and if I was teaching the music part, I would say the, the music part of the service has to go through three, these three dimensions. 
We connect with their emotions, with their five senses. But then we want that worship to go to a place where it touches their spirit. And they're like, wow, this is my God. Judah. Yeah, I like that. That's what I'm talking about. Who's Judah? And they sing the next song. It's like, ooh. What, what's that? Their spirit all set in the next song. And then the third song challenges their will. And the song says, you got to make a decision. So a song service goes through those three dimensions. You connect to their senses. You connect to their spirit. And the goal is, is to get them to make a decision. A whole service is that. Are you with me? So the preaching is not about me just showing my homiletical, exegetical expertise and bowl full of jelly beans. It's not about, as I was talking to our brother, amen, in the car we were talking about, it's not just about scratching my itch. As a preacher, and I'll talk to when I talk to preachers, it's not about you just getting to do your sermon. Now, if they've made it through the whole service and they've heard all the words of the song and their emotions have been stirred and their spirit has been connected and their will is being challenged, but they're white knuckling the pew, holding on, I'm not coming, I'm not coming, I'm not, and the preacher gets up, his job then is to challenge that will. to move into the Holy of Holies. Brother Morgan went to a life-size, he'll be here this week with his son who's preaching Friday night, but he went to a life-size replica in Eureka Springs of the Tabernacle Plan, went through it, got done, there's about 30, 40 people in the group, and the, the, the rabbi asked if there was questions, he raised his hand, and the, and the man looked at him and said, I know what your question is. He said, you do? He said, I know who you are. He said, really, who am I? He said, you're Pentecostal. He said, well, that's true. He said, I know what your question is. He said, what is it? He said, you want to know if your baptismal formula is right. And he said, well, is it? That wasn't a question he had, but he's like, well, there's 30 people here. We might as well talk about it. And he said, is it? He said, it is. He said, the saving name of Jehovah is Jesus. And he went through a little explanation. He said, well, that's great. People were like, oh, my God. He said, well, that wasn't my question. He said, well, what was your question? He said, well, my question was when you got through the holy place and you got ready to go into the Holy of Holies, there was a veil that was three curtains. <laughs> Are y'all hearing anything? One, two, three. Uh, three curtains sewn together to make one so it could not be torn. That was, that was hanging between the holy place and the holy of holies. There was no veil. There was no division in the veil. There was no way to get from one department to the next. He said, yes, sir. He said, my question is, how did the priest get from the holy place to the holy of holies? He said, that's a great question. He said, Jewish tradition teaches that while the priest stood there with blood in, in the vial in one hand and the burning censer in the other hand, which is praise and prayer, and the blood in the censer is going and he is worshiping before the veil, which hung in the sixth position, which is the number of man, which represents flesh. Most of the time, what keeps a church from the glory is three inches of flesh. It's just flesh. But as they stood there, said Jewish tradition teaches that the glory of God transported them through the veil. Now that's, that's not biblical. There's no Bible that tells us how. We just know he got there. There is a moment in a service where the Holy Ghost takes a man 
or a woman through the flesh. And their will overpowers their flesh because that's not you. This is flesh, that ain't you. This is just something that helps me see you. And a lot of times this, Paul even said this old, he said, who will deliver me from the, this old body of death, old wretched man that I am? Because when I would do good, I find myself doing that which I would not. What I would not, I find myself doing. He said, what's the problem? And, he, and if you read Romans 7, he said, it's the law of sin in my flesh. He said, there's the law of my mind, one. There's the law of the spirit, two. And there's the law of the flesh, three. He said, the law of the spirit is pulling on me, which is so. The law of God is pulling on me. And the law of my flesh is pulling on me. And my flesh is winning. He finally gets a revelation. It is with the mind, therefore, that I serve the will of God. What I put in my brain feeds my mind. I can only make decisions based off of the information I put in my brain. That's why we talk to you about things that you watch, things that you read, things that you do. Why? I used to tell my kids, junk in, junk out. Stupid in, stupid out. You can't put trash in and get clean out. Whatever I put in my brain, that's what I make decisions based on. Is everybody with me? Am I making any sense? So now it's just three inches of flesh that has to get into this holy of holies. So a lot of times the service gets to a point where we're at decision time. And it is with your mind. And so the preacher challenges the mind to make a right decision. You, you are. And we challenge you to make a decision to tell your flesh, you're not going to rule me. I'm not going to let this drugs do it anymore. And so you run up there and pop, you throw your drugs down on platform. I've seen them go outside in Newark, Ohio, and a guy went out in the middle of altar service, ran out the back door. A few minutes he come in, and the building was as wide as this one is long. I was on one end praying people through, and I looked, heard the commotion. He come running down the aisle, which had been this aisle, had a 12-pack in both hands. And I was like, I'm fast, but I'm not that fast. I'm thinking, my God, this church is beautiful and it's going to be horrible if he throws that. And all of a sudden he went, 212, like slow motion. (laughs) And then 212 backs hit the platform and not one can busted. Absolute miracle. Man was 19 years old, possessed with the spirit of alcoholism. They prayed him, prayed him free of that, got him delivered of that spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost. Last I knew, before Brother Newstrand turned it to the, uh, it slips in my mind now. Who's the pastor now? That young man was still in that service. I remember what I preached it more. I preached on a runaway chariot in a runaway world. And preached to the point where all of a sudden a woman was sitting back in the back, had dark sunglasses on. It was completely lit, but it wasn't that bright. And, and she's a decent looking lady. And I'm preaching. I'm thinking, why is she getting on sunglasses while I'm preaching? It's a runaway chariot. In a runaway world, you got to come get in the chariot. And 
and, and, and the preacher's going to tell you what you got to do. Here's water. What does he need you being baptized? And I, I, all of a sudden, the woman jumped up. <laughs> screamed, run, hit the right down here. Bam, fell on her knees, slid, fell over on her face. People jumped up and started praying with her. When she raised up her glasses, fell off, and both her eyes were black and blue. She had been abused and beat up. She got the Holy Ghost that night. That man ran out the back door, got his beer, come running. Seven or eight people got the Holy Ghost that day. What was it? It was a choice that was made. So I'm saying about the altar call that it begins outside when you're kind to people. It begins when they walk in and see the beautiful building. It begins, it continues as you go through the worship. So you're giving the altar call. I was... Brother Keith Clark, greatest evangelist I've ever known in the modern church. He just passed away just a few months ago. I drove him many times for Brother Morgan from Oak back to Tulsa. And, and we didn't talk. We were taught not to talk unless spoke to the preacher needed to rest, whatever. And I'd take him four or five times. And finally one, one morning I picked him up and was taking him. He said, Brother Coppin, you haven't done much talking. I said, well, it's okay, Elder. He said, you want to make sure you get your rest. and know you're going to the next place to preach. Everything. He said, we got any questions? And I said, I got one. He said, what's that? I said, most of your message you never finished. It's like the altar call happens, you know, in your text reading or five or eight, ten minutes into the message. I said, how does that happen? And he was sitting next to me, and he reached over, and he did just like this. He went, I go to the altar, make, I go to the pulpit making an altar call. I go to the pulpit making an altar call. That was all he said. The whole service is we're going to the music to go to the to make an altar call. We're singing the song to make an altar call. I'm preaching the message to make an altar call. Are you with me? And when they get to the altar, we could go through a lot of do's and don'ts there. I think you got most of those. One of the most important that I would say is once we get them to the altar, whether it's up here or they're in the pew and they're weeping and crying uncontrollably, the first thing we need is we need a bunch of people around them worshiping. Because God inhabits praise. So if he's not sure about worship, if I can get three or four people around him to just start worshiping God, God's going to come down in the midst of us. And he's going to get on him. He's not going to know what's going on. He's not going to understand it, I mean. And, and he's going to be worshiping in his way. And then it don't, we don't need 15 people. Putting, can I put my hands on you? We don't need 15 people going like this. You know? Because if he's got plans, it's just like this. He's like, why did he touch me there? That's exactly the point. I mean, you got this guy at the altar. His hands are finally up, and you're touching them all up in here. Hands on him, people in the belly. And this, this guy, God, I love you. Why are they touching me like that? I mean, it's crazy. It ain't that hard, you know. Or ladies praying the altar. Ladies are praying with him, and you got your hands all over their chest. Stop it. The anointing flows down the head. Not from the belly up, not from the chest down. And these are people that are coming. They want to be saved. You've got your hands all over them. They're thinking, I'm getting stammered lips, but I'm the, what are they touching me there for? It doesn't make any sense. So we don't need, you know, we need everybody in the altar worshiping, uh, but we don't need 73 hands on the person. Everybody say amen. Amen. Is that any good? Did I do okay? Amen. So the whole, the, for me, the altar service is the whole service. I'm an evangelist, so it's like, in the name of Jesus, tears are flowing, hands are up. I'm like, in the name of Jesus. I mean, that's the way an evangelist is. It's time to pray them through. I mean, they're crying. Why are we going to go on? That's an evangelist care. Now, in a church, it might go 
two minutes, give her two more minutes, and then come put your hand on her head. But <laughs> anyway, because you never know, you know, that might be the move. And so we least, and you're in that kind of a church where we begin to pray with people and we're cognizant of that. You've already met them. You can kind of tell if they're introverted, extroverted, and all of those things matter. And you're gentle, and of course, you need deodorant and <laughs> perfume. And I went to the pulpit. They even got breath mints on the pulpit. I'm like, boom, shaka laka. Because, <laughs> I mean, you don't, you know, you don't want people falling out because you got halitosis breath. <laughs> I love you. Oh. <laughs> and down they go. <laughs> they were in the spirit, but then they smelled something. They were in the flesh. Hallelujah. All of those things matter. Can you say amen? I mean, you just you just don't. I mean, if you had to come from work, that's fine. Buy you some cheap perfume or cologne when you get out of the car. Just kind of spray some on and come on in. It's cool. Amen. Now, we don't care. Anybody can come like they want to, but we don't want them in the altar going, you know, I felt God, but there was just this smell. And it just threw me off base. <laughs> Everybody say amen. amen. Any questions? Any questions? So the tabernacle plan for me is everything. You know, there's one, one tabernacle and there's one God. Amen. He is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But it's one tabernacle. There's not three separate buildings. It's one building. There's one God in three manifestations. Everybody said amen. amen. So for me, that's where it all goes through. A service flows through that. It flows through emotions, spirit, and will, soul. So when it comes to that moment, that's the whole focus of everything. This isn't a concert. This isn't an opportunity for me to just prove I got homiletical, exegetical, whatever. It's to connect and pray somebody through. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand. Amen. Did I do all right, Pastor? Amen. And that's the reason we're here. That's the reason God has sent uh, this church to Denellen and these leaders and the man of God and the covering church there in Bellevue and touch somebody next to you or high-five somebody next to you and said, that's what this is all about. Amen. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you, there's no way to get people off their drugs and their meth and their alcohol and out of their depression and their suicidal mindsets with just good music. Somehow, I mean, we got to have it because it's sensual perception. But that's not the end game. The end game is they got to get in the glory. It might happen in the first song. I've been in churches. I was up in Alaska preaching revival. Had 187 get the Holy Ghost since eight weeks. Preached every night but two. People literally, before service even started, sat and they brought guests. Walked in the building and began to cry. It's altar service. No sermon tonight. Start praying them through. Because only the glory of God can help Danellen. Only the glory of God. Amen. That's the only thing. It's the only thing can heal. It's the only thing can take us dead and make us living, old and make us new. It's the only thing and you have to get that in your mind. That's the only hope Danellen has is this is a church that moves into the third dimension. We're going for the glory. Amen. We want, we want this place to be so full of glory when they drive down the street, when they come down the main street before they even turn to come down here. When they drive by, they feel something pulling on them. They go around the block and check. 
Amen. I've seen it happen. I was preaching in Modesto, California. It was a great revival, great church. Five to 7,000 flyers a week going out. People getting the Holy Ghost, drugs thrown all over the platform. Gang members praying through, rival gang members praying through, taking their colors off, throwing them down, stomping on them, hugging each other. I mean, it was on. We went out and got in the pastor's car getting ready to go, and we walked out, looked, and out at the street there was a diesel truck alongside and 100, 120, 30 kids. And we could see hands going up. I was like, oh, my God. Well, first thing I thought, Brother Keys, there's a fight. He said, oh, my God. So he gets in the car, and we ease around. He blows winds down. As we got close, we could hear Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Wow. I said, my good, they're talking in tongues. We got out. And the trucker had been going past the church on Highway 99, past the corner of 7th and I on the interstate. And as he passed it, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him. He said, go back to that church. They've got what you need. He went to the next exit, exited, went across the bridge, got back on the interstate, came back up past the church, got off the exit, come around, come up the frontage road, just about the time we got out. And as people were in the parking lot, he pulled up out there and started blowing his horn. Part, got out, started telling the kids what happened. They began to witness to him, began to worship, and the man got the Holy Ghost right there in the parking lot. How's that happen? Yes, we understand that the altar... And if we had time, we'd preach about the altar, how wonderful the altar is. That's where it happens. It can happen out on the corner. It can happen on the street. It can happen in the living room. It can happen in the building. It can happen in a new converts class. Everybody say one, two, three. One, two, three. Amen. Look at somebody and say, it's as easy as one, two, three. Amen. Why don't you come to the altar? Let's just come to the altar together. Amen. I've done my job teaching.